In today's show, we're talking Los Angeles Lakers with Andy Kamenetsky of the Locked On Lakers podcast, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here to talk Lakers. Maybe there's trades coming for this team. I don't know. If there is, we'll cover them when they happen. But we're going to talk about this roster as it currently stands. Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> Let's bring him in now. One of the hosts of the Locked On Lakers podcast, Andy Kamenetsky, is here with me. Andy, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, man. It's good to be talking Lakers, of course. I, I wish we could have waited till we got a bit more resolution on what's happening, but there's just been so many holdups with everything that's going on. So we're just going to talk about this Lakers team as it currently stands, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about what <laughs> if, potentially could happen. Yeah, I mean, if we wait till this <laughs> roster is resolved, we might not be doing this till next offseason. Yeah, that's a uh, absolutely distinct possibility. But let's talk about what changes there was on this roster because there has been a lot. A lot of guys coming in. Thomas Bryan and Damian Jones, two centers coming in. Lonnie Walker, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Troy Brown, Cole Swider, Scotty Pippen Jr., Max Christie in the draft, and they lose Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, who's not signed, Dwight Howard, who's not signed, Avery Bradley, who's not signed, Wayne Ellington, who's not signed. Uh, then Mac McClung and Kent Bazemore, who's uh, just signed a training camp deal with the Kings. I don't, I, I don't know if this team got better or not. That's going to be a question for later on. But one thing we look at here is they brought in two centers in Bryant and Jones. I guess this is just like Anthony Davis again, just is not going to play center. Yeah, I mean, there's there's pros and cons to this, and you know. It's been well established that Anthony Davis does not enjoy playing center. This was really acknowledged during Frank Vogel's introductory, introductory press conference a few years ago. And then Anthony Davis came in and, you know, they talked about just looking for ways to keep him more at the four and I guess finishing games more often at five, you know, against most teams other than, say, Philadelphia or Denver. You tend to go small anyway, so it makes most sense to have AD there. There's some school of thought that playing Anthony Davis more at the four is going to be easier on him in terms of the physicality and wear and tear. I don't personally buy into that, A, because AD has been injured a lot, regardless of where he's played over the course of his career. But also I, I spoke, um, I believe it was like a season or so ago with Jeff's, Jeff Stotts, a really well-known sports uh, medicine performance, that kind of guy, and ran by the theory I have that AD, I think, in certain ways is actually more susceptible to injury at the four because defensively, in particular, there's so much ground that he has to cover, and he's going to be really just sprinting all over the court over the course of you know how 35 minutes or however much he's playing that I think in a lot of ways he's just as susceptible for a soft tissue injury as opposed to whatever you think can come from the physicality. But either way, it does come closer to replicating what they did in 2020 when they won a championship where AD 
started games at the four, finished them at the five. I remember last year, I'm sure you don't you don't forget this, but yeah, LeBron James was playing tons of minutes at center. So they're yeah, bringing in extra uh, reinforcements there. There's nothing wrong with with that. And yeah, someone like Thomas Bryant is probably the ideal sort of center that can pair with Davis. I agree with you about the injury risk here. Davis's injuries, they're not because he's getting back down in the post and someone's elbowing in the ribs and he's breaking that way. It's because he's diving into chairs in the front row or yeah, going up for crazy blocks where he's running from nowhere, then landing weirdly, which has got nothing to do with playing center or power forward. It's just the way that he plays. And you're, I tend to think you, you might be right. The more the less you're out running into the perimeter and you're trying to you know, jump over chairs and things like that, that you're going to have you're probably less of an injury risk in, in, with the way that he plays anyway. So I do think there's something to that. I'm going to be harsh a little bit here, um, Andy, with, with this roster. These guys coming in, uh, they're not good. Like I, I, this roster, when you look at it, it's it's just really bad. And I, I'm pretty sure the Lakers internally know this. I'm pretty sure you guys have an idea. You've got two unbelievable players and then just... Just a bunch of bad players, and we talk so much. Hey, you know, you know, you know what you should do? Get shooting around LeBron. Well, Lonnie Walker's not a good shooter. Juan Toscano Anderson's not a shooter. Troy Brown's not a shooter. Max Christie can't shoot. They did they do anything to address the shooting issue? Because none of these guys can shoot. Well, Thomas Bryant, in theory, can yes. shoot. He actually in was theory. shooting well. Before. Yeah, well, he was shooting no, well he before shooter, he got hurt right. in yeah. Washington. Um, you know, he he was not on super high volume, but he had a couple seasons around forty percent from behind the arc. So. In theory, if the guy that he was pre-injury is more consistent with who he is moving forward, there's some shooting there. I think that's part of what makes him terrible with Anthony Davis. Getting Kendrick Nunn back, um, he his last full season with Miami, he did shoot pretty well. Um, he actually improved his three-point shooting by about five percentage points. And, you know, there's, there's hope that, say, Troy Brown Jr. can be at least league average at a little bit higher volume. Austin Reeves can improve that shooting. Then Anthony Davis can be, I don't know, 25%. He can't be worse. Arc. Davis cannot look, be worse than last season. Like that's, you that was horrendous. You are correct that in terms of bringing in a lot of shooting around, uh, around LeBron, LeBron uh, around Anthony Davis, they didn't address it extremely well this offseason. There's no way around it. You know, there's there's questions about shooting and there's questions about defense. Yeah. They did get a lot younger and they're looking to run a lot more. And I think this is a team that actually can do very well in transition. Nunn and uh, Walker are both very good playing up and down the court. You know, I, it gives Russell Westbrook more of a comfort zone to operate in. Obviously, LeBron is great. AD can run the floor. Damian Jones is a, a good rim running target. But in terms of really bringing the roster closer to championship contention, I agree. There's a lot of question marks being generous. Let's talk about Kendrick Nunn. You brought him up. He didn't play a game last season with what was, I don't know, some sort of knee injury. They never really told us what was actually going on. Was just the worst getting... bone bruise, uh, Josh, <laughs> in known medical history. He Because he played in the preseason. I'm pretty sure he played a game or he two. Did. And then he was done. And then we just kept, just wait, just wait until Kendrick Nunn comes back. It's all going to be solved. So, you know, the third member of the big three, Kendrick Nunn, where are we with his um, recovery? Is uh, Now, I, I will say this right now. Like, I have never been a Kendrick Nunn fan, off-court stuff. Don't like it. On-court stuff, I thought he's a guy that's significantly overrated in terms of what he does and the way that he's always had any level of success was like give him the ball and let him do everything and let him drive and let him just take control and that's just not going to be a reality on this team. So I don't really know how it sort of fits in. But in terms of health, is he ready to go and is he just presumed to be the sixth man getting the most minutes off the bench? 
he has said that he is feeling as good as he had pre-injury, like basically in the bubble in Miami or the season after that. He is, to the best of my knowledge, has not been cleared for five-on-five workouts. I think he's been doing three-on-three. Um, you know, the the details from the organization have still been pretty close to the vest. And, you know, Kendrick Nunn's proclamations of health, I'm not going to say that he's lying about it, but I, I need to see what he looks like. All of you know this, Josh, all of these guys in the offseason are feeling 100 percent totally refreshed. LeBron has said the same thing. He's heading into year 20. I can't imagine that at any point in LeBron's life moving forward, his body is going to feel 100 percent. He's just put too much wear and tear and pressure on it. Um, as far as Kendrick Nunn, the fit on the court, I do think he's going to be playing off the bench unless the need for spacing and I guess his own three-point shooting being good enough forces him into a starting lineup. He and Russell Westbrook defensively could be uh, a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, he's defense was what ultimately made his playing time with Miami uh, up and down and occasionally get him out of the rotation to the best of my understanding. It was always defensive, but he is a he is a good scorer, and he's somebody that operates very well. Like I said before, in in transition, he's somebody that can get to the rim and create pressure that way. Last year, defensively, there were a lot of problems on this team, but frankly, their offense was often just an absolute slog, and they need scores. And I, as much as Kendrick Nunn clearly was not going to solve all of the problems on this team by himself, he was missed. And you know, even if he is a just a high-end bench caliber player they could have used a high-end bench caliber player last year so i i do think getting him back can make a difference you know again it doesn't it does not nearly answer all the questions that they have for the season moving forward but i do think that his presence it's essentially like another free agent signing because he did not play a single second the regular season last year. People are people are always going to say, "Oh, Josh, you're just such a Lakers hater." Um, I didn't like Kendrick Nunn as a player in Miami. It's the same with I didn't like Lonnie Walker as a player in the Spurs. They just both happen to be on the same team now. So I'm just going to say I, I think Kendrick Nunn's better than Lonnie Walker. But I'm not sure that's a high bar to clear in particular. But again, it's it's not because they play for the Lakers. Like I've been well documented my dislike of their game uh, in other areas. They just now both happen to be on this same team. But you're right, Nunn is an upgrade over some of those bench guys they had. I'm just not sure what that actually uh, means as we move forward. We'll get into more stuff with the Lakers, including a starting lineup for you in a second. Andy, but important message right now. If you are out, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks, a few might become a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Now you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk and the results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Um, Projected starting five. 
people will look at this and they will disagree, Andy, but I actually 100% agree with what you think this is going to be. Russell Westbrook, Austin Reeves, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Thomas Bryant. I think Bryant beats out Jones. I think the shooting that Bryant provides over Jones fits much better next to Anthony Davis. And people will go, no, nah, it's, it's definitely Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker is for sure going to start. I do agree with you that it will be Austin Reeves, but why do you think it'll be Austin Reeves? Um, defensively, he's he's the best defensive guard I think they have on this team right now. Uh, I think pretty clearly. Yeah. he. I mean, it's like you said before, in terms of thinking that Kendrick Nunn is better than Lonnie Walker, that it's not necessarily a high bar to clear. Yeah. Austin Reeves being the best defensive guard on this team, you don't <laughs> – it's not like something that your mom pins or, or tapes on the refrigerator or uses the magnet. Like, you know, my, my son is the best defensive guard on the <laughs> Lakers. They don't have a lot of good defensive guards. That being said, though, I, I think Austin Reeves is a legitimately good defensive guard. He's smart as a defender. He understands team concepts well. He works extremely hard, and he's very active on that end. And Russell Westbrook, for the time being, if he's on this team, he is – at the very least, to start the season, I think, going to be in the starting lineup. You need somebody to help offset his own deficiencies slash slash indifference on that end. And I think there is hope that Austin Reeves can become a better outside shooter, provide some spacing. I think at this point, people just assume that he's a shooter because he's a scrappy white player. Um, the reality is he's not a shooter. He's not. Um, no, he, he shot 32% from behind the arc, rounding up. He hit a couple really big threes. Yeah. Like he had a game-winning three against Dallas early in the season. He's not afraid to take those shots, but he he needs to become better at it. Um, there, there was a, He had, he had uh, said recently that he wants to retire the AR-15 nickname, uh, AR being for Austin Reeves, 15 is number because of the association with the assault rifle and the, the mass shootings that – have happened in the U.S. so frequently, and he—I saw some. He said he wanted to crowdsource a nickname, and I saw a lot of suggestions of Austin Threes. I'm like, guys, he no, he has not earned that yet. Sorry, he's not there. No, he's uh, he's not even close to that. I'll, I'll, I'll try and get up, come up with a, a nickname for him. But yeah, I th- I think he's interesting. I don't think he's going to have much fantasy impact. He's just not going to touch the ball all that much. But he's solid enough. He's uh, an okay he's a good connector. He's, 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 an, he's an okay passer. He's like you know a guy that you know budget Alex Caruso and yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know where the Lakers could have found anyone like Alex Caruso. That remains a mystery. But they've got someone that can, you know, maybe can develop into that sort of player. Let's talk about the rest of... I. You know what? No, let's talk about LeBron James because he had a gigantic boost in his fantasy numbers last season at age 36, 37. He's going to turn 38 around Christmas. He put up... Crazy. He averaged 30 points per game, eight rebounds, six assists. He fixed his free throws. His block numbers were career high. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put something out there. I think that we're gonna talk regression candidates later in the show. I think we're gonna see a bit of a drop off in LeBron's numbers this season. A there's no way he's playing 37 minutes tonight. It's just unless everything goes wrong again, which it could. He's not doing that. But he got so much of his increase in numbers because he was playing so much at center. So that block numbers went up. His efficiency went up. Um, he was just handling the ball was so, so much that I, I think when we look at LeBron's numbers, there was a big step forward. I don't expect I don't expect LeBron to be putting up those same sort of numbers because the circumstances just, I don't think will allow it where he was forced into such a big role. Well, I mean, LeBron's always going to put up numbers because uh, he that's is. just who yeah. he is. And, 27, you know, seven and seven. That's, that's LeBron. That's what he does. But you know, 30 is, is tough to get back to, I think. 
I mean, he's always, I think, I mean, you can tell me if you disagree, but he's going to be worth like a first round pick in a fantasy draft. Um, mm-hmm. Really? You think yeah. he'd be below the first? Well, I guess the, the issue is the injuries that have ended two of his seasons. Early, okay. Out of the last three, there is, okay. he's had issues with free throws in the past where he's been at like 68, 70%, which really hurts as well. I think he's fine towards the end of the first round, but like two years ago, he was like the 27th ranked player um, because of, you know, and then last year, he was, okay. he was up to fourth because all these numbers really went through the roof. And I'm a little worried that if he goes from 37 minutes to 34 minutes or 35 minutes and the block's cut in half because they basically doubled last season, then maybe he loses some. But I think well, end, remember, end the first round's fine. He is going after Kareem's scoring title this season. Yeah. And you, you, you definitely want to make sure that you get that thing while you have the opportunities. But to your point about regression with LeBron, I don't anticipate a steep regression in, in, in his scoring numbers, for example. But I imagine the Lakers would actually be pleased if, in some respects, his numbers did go down. Because hopefully the reason yeah. that's the case is because Anthony Davis is actually out there on a regular basis, healthy, dominating more, and really becoming the guy that everybody, including, I think, LeBron, was hoping he could take that mantle from it and really be the engine of the proverbial car with LeBron as the guy driving it. And, you know, that hasn't happened yet on a regular basis because of AD's, you know, worse injury issues than LeBron's had the last couple of years. And I think also some bouts of passivity that AD goes through. But, you know, the plan when they brought in Anthony Davis was not just to be LeBron's sidekick, you know, like the the Pau Gasol to Kobe Bryant. They were looking for him, I think, by now to really have just fashioned himself and really taken over, announced himself as the focal point of the offense and really the guy that everything runs through, which Darvin Ham has said is going to be the case this year, he has gone out of his way to say Anthony Davis is the key to everything. And they need him to be that guy. Like, I don't know if he can be bubble Anthony Davis again, but they need him to be somewhere between what we've seen the last couple of years and bubble Davis closer to bubble Davis. Otherwise, it's just too taxing on LeBron. And I don't think they have the supporting cast to make up for it what's happened with Anthony Davis and his shooting? 18% from three last season. He can't hit free throws anymore. It was 71%, I think, last season. He's not taking threes anymore. Like He's not Christos Porzingis banging in eight you know, attempts per game and hitting him at 39%, but 18% is horrendous. Like I don't know how he's... Is it a confidence thing? Has he changed his form? Like Why can't he shoot anymore? Well, I mean... The truth is he's never been a good three-point shooter. He's, like, he's, also, he's never been this bad, though. He's never been this bad. Like why it's become this bad, I don't know if maybe, you know, the the NBA's had that screwed up calendar because of the pandemic and he I'm sure his body's gotten out of rhythm and maybe he's creature of habit enough that he really needs to get like his body back on the clock that he's used to. Um the three point, you know, the three point percentage is dropping. They're easy to jump out because you see that on just a typical stat sheet or a typical stat line. But to me, what's even more alarming is the mid-range game dropping or like, you know, the the 20 foot, the 18 foot shot that isn't falling the way that it used to. Like there was a period where Frank Vogel had, had been saying that, you know, he wanted Anthony Davis to be taking more threes. I think we've come to realize he's going to have to take him every now and then, but it probably isn't a shot 
that is ever really going to be in, in his, you know, in his bag. Like his his career best season, I think, from behind the arc is 33, 34%. And, and by a pretty good margin, that's his best. It's never really been a shot that he was established uh, well in terms of succeeding at, but he needs to become better at the mid-range again. Otherwise, he, he becomes somebody that really has to get all of his points in the paint, which he can do. He, he's terrific around the rim, but then you have to start configuring more lineups that allow him to play close at all times. Might have him at center more, which he doesn't like, or you have to figure out some type of some type of configuration. It, it just they need him to be more of a threat away from the basket offensively. Yeah, and that, that's the thing with playing at center, like or versus power forward. Like, if you're not going to take any threes, and the center also doesn't take any threes, and you're both just clogging up the mid range in the paint, it doesn't help really the team at all. So either you don't take threes, and you should play center, or the center's got to be a three point bomber, which is why I think Thomas Bryant does make the most sense there. But if neither of those guys are taking threes, and that that fit doesn't really make a ton of sense. If we, Especially when your backcourt isn't oh, great yeah. shooting threes either. Yeah, when you need uh, Austin Reeves and Westbrook need to get to the rim to to score as well. And then LeBron is your best three-point shooter. Let's look at the rotation group. You've got Nunn, Walker, Troy Brown, Toscano Anderson, and Damian Jones. There is a name that's absent from that list, and that is, of course, the highly touted, we won't trade him for anybody, Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, I... As much as he was lambasted for his performance last season, I still think he's a better player than what Troy Brown is. And why don't well, so why don't you have him in this rotation then? Um, first of all, I think the Lakers want him to be in the rotation, and I think he will have a lot of opportunities to end up in the rotation. The problem is specifically with Russ on the team, but also Russ and LeBron, and to I think a lesser but still notable extent, Anthony Davis plus. You know, a ball-handling guard like Kendrick Nunn, um, a pretty high-usage guy like Lonnie Walker. THT doesn't have an obvious fit. You know, as somebody who is not a good outside shooter, does not play particularly well off the ball, and has a lot of defensive lapses. Like, if you're playing Nunn and Walker, who I think are better ball-handling, better playmaking guards, or certainly Nunn is, is, I think, than THT. And, you know, Walker is, I think, more of a versatile scorer than THD is, you're going to need somebody to provide more spacing and also more defense. And that's where I think Troy Brown, for the time being, um, has that edge over him. THT is long enough that he could be at the four, but you need Juan Toscano Anderson. I think his versatility defensively and the ability to, I I think, flourish in cross matchups. You know, he's, he's another guy, like I talked about with Austin Reeves, that's a good connector like somebody that I think can help kind of just keep the trains running while you're out there. So the Lakers, I think, would love to have THT flourish this season, whether because they want to justify their belief in him or they want to be able to showcase him as part of a trade. But especially if Russ is still on this roster, it's just difficult to figure out exactly where THT fits in. I don't think it's a given that he's out of the rotation, but – if you look at the other options to take out, I'm not sure who it would be. He's one of those guys that the numbers can be great when a bunch of people are out and he's got the ball in his hands and he's orchestrating things. We saw that when LeBron and Davis were out and he was just doing a ton of stuff. But 
when that doesn't happen, how the hell do you fit in? And that's that that, that becomes the problem. If you want to look at young players, we talked Horton Tucker. They drafted Max Christie, which is another one where I go, like, the guy can't shoot. Like, I know there's the measurables, there's the defense, but just comparing the problem. Scotty Pippen Jr. is an interesting one. I would not put it out of the realms of possibility that he ends up the season ahead of Kendrick Nunn, Austin Rivers, and Lonnie Walker in terms of... I think he's got massive upside. The shooting, again, might be somewhat of a problem for him at times. But I think... And the Lakers have had so much success with these undrafted sort of players. We'll just talk about Caruso and Reeves so much already. Um, and even Horton Tucker as a second-round pick. I, I'm really interested in what Pippen can do. As a younger player, they've got him on, on a two-way guy, and they've got no problem with playing those two-way players. Um, I don't know what, how much more we need to talk about those guys, though. So I want to... Yeah, let's let's move on and, and uh, talk some other questions of the lakes. But before I do that, Andy, you're in Los Angeles. Have the Los Angeles Chargers or the Rams captured your attention there? Well, I mean, the Rams just won the Super Bowl, so that that's that is going to grab your attention. Yeah. Well, if you want to know about the Rams and their odds for their preseason game this week, betonline.net is going to be the number one place to do it. There's a Super Bowl rematch in the preseason. Rams, Bengals. The Bengals are two and a half point favorites, and you can check the odds for all preseason games in the NFL, but all sports, Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf over at BetOnline, the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. BetOnline continues to be that top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that is happening today bet online is where the game starts all right question time here um what is darvin ham going to bring that's different to frank vogel um i think he brings a presence that frank vogel for all the i think the respect that he has from guys like lebron and ad in terms of just frank vogel is an extremely hard worker he's a really good defensive mind he's somebody that's passionate about being prepared and putting in the work all that stuff darvin ham played in the league like darvin ham can speak to these guys in ways that i think frank vogel simply couldn't it's it was hard to know exactly what was going on with the team just because with covid protocols still in place you don't get access to the players the way we used to you don't get the ability to i think have side conversations and stuff like that the same uh rapport you know pre-covid that sort of stuff but i had gotten a sense throughout the season and it was essentially confirmed from rob palinka's press conference when he addressed frank vogel being dismissed i felt like vogel had lost the team and it felt early on in the year i don't know exactly why and you know it could be just sometimes your voice doesn't carry the way it used to. It could be a matter of, I think Vogel was stubborn at times in terms of adjustments that he needed to make and, and didn't because it was plainly clear he hated the roster last year. And while I don't blame him, he didn't like uh, it. It's still the raw. Yeah. And, and look, I, I mean, it's understandable why he didn't like that roster, but it's still yours to coach. Yep. And you also wonder too, and, and this is something that I, I've thought about recently how much maybe Jason Kidd was a conduit between Vogel and the players, you know, as as much as I thought it wasn't fair to Frank Vogel to be forced to put Jason Kidd on his staff in the beginning. I mean, it, Jason Kidd was somebody that, uh, whether they were interviewing Ty Lue or Monty Williams or eventually uh, Frank Vogel, it was made pretty clear Jason Kidd is going to be on your staff. And while that may not be fair to Vogel, the truth is Jason Kidd is as respected as any coaching presence in the NBA. I mean, he has LeBron's respect. 
He has the respect of some of the best, you know, basketball players and minds in the league. And you wonder if maybe his voice being gone mattered. And look, I did not think Jason Kidd was going to be nearly as successful as a coach last season. He was in Dallas and he, he proved me quite wrong. So maybe Kidd not being there was an issue. But either way, Darvin Ham is somebody that he's a terrific people person. I, I got to know him a little bit while he was an assistant with Mike Brown about a decade ago with the Lakers. And whenever I, I had a question for him, I always found his answers very transparent, very easy to understand. There's a lot of clarity, a lot of presence. He is not going to be pushed around, um, lest, uh, lest you didn't hear. He was once shot in the face. Um, and as the old saying goes, once you've been shot in the face, you're not afraid to tell Russell Westbrook or LeBron James or Anthony Davis no. It's, it's an old proverb, Josh. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like he's he's played with superstars like you know, Rasheed Wall. You know that 2004 Pistons team that won the championship. Like if you're somebody who can deal with a mercurial personality like a Rasheed Wallace or you know somebody with the gravitas of a Chauncey Billups. You know when he when he was uh, the leader of those Detroit teams. You know, or he's been coached by Larry Brown and and uh, I believe I believe Rick Carlisle. Um, he he's been coached by a lot of really good, uh, really really well respected coaches around the league, and he's just somebody that I think people gravitate towards. And I I think that will make a difference. They they needed a different voice in there. I think they they needed hopefully a more creative offensive mind. Like even the year they won the championship. Frank Vogel's never been known as somebody who puts out particularly interesting or creative offenses. They need it loosened up, and hopefully Darvin's somebody that can do that and you know, somebody that can get through to Russ because it was made very clear by Westbrook in his exit interview. He did not like Frank Vogel. didn't like being coached by him. Yeah, I think I reckon that might be part of the Vogel issue as well as that Vogel at the start went, what's wrong with this bloke? Like, Russ is all over the place, and Davis and LeBron may have taken exception, like, hey, we brought him in. Like, I know that relationship soured quite a bit now, but I reckon that might have just set things off. And let's talk about Russ, because now we hear, oh, by the way, now you are the coach and you have the uh, authority to bench him. I'm sure, sure Frank Vogel sitting at home going, now now you tell me. Like, now, now, you know what? Now he actually, actually did have the authority. There were a few times he okay. did by, yeah. by multiple accounts. The guy standing in the way the the guy standing in the way of benching Russ was actually Vogel, like he was concerned that if he did this, he would lose Russ entirely. And you know, even though I think Vogel was pretty aware he was a dead man walking the whole year. Oh yeah. If you're if you're going to try to make this work, I think he felt like I have to get the most out of Russ. I have to try to reach him, however I can. So let that yeah let, let's talk Russ now because. Yeah, we can hear this. Yeah, he might get benched. What does that mean? Does that mean you're yeah, benched in closing lines? Because that did happen quite a bit last season. You're right about that. Does it mean not starting games? Does it mean taken out of the rotation? Like go sit home and like yeah, enjoy your fashion. Don't bother about coming to the team. Like, is is he actually like how is he actually going to play a, a team a game for this team this season? Uh, where where does he sit? I think he will. Okay. I mean, the, it's no secret that the Lakers have been looking to move him, but they have extremely limited assets to attach to Russ as a sweetener because Russ does not have positive trade value right now. And you can only trade those assets once. And the Lakers have, they're not in a position where they can just attach them as a pure dump to get rid of them. They need to get better. Otherwise you can make a very strong argument that they're better off hanging on to them until a better deal comes along. 
Um, but either way, until then, I think Darvin Ham is going to give Russell Westbrook a real opportunity to fit with this team. I think he's also going to hold him accountable to do some of the things that Russ has always been uh, hesitant or inconsistent or unwilling to do, like working off ball, screening, um, defensive attentiveness, um, all that sort of stuff. I think Russ will start the season as a starter, A, because of his stature, but B, I think if you're looking to put your best foot forward in building that relationship with Russ, unless you come up with a really persuasive case to him that appeals to him where he's the leader off the bench, you're better off, you're better off giving him genuine opportunity. So then if you start reducing his minutes or you make a move where you go with him to the bench, you can look him in the eye and say, I gave you this opportunity and it's not working. And at some point we have to do what's best for the team. And Russell Westbrook is not somebody that I think is steeped in self-awareness, mm-hmm. but even he has to understand a Darvin Ham is going to outlast him on this team. Like Russell Westbrook, unless he puts together his second MVP season, he ain't going to be on this team beyond this season. Darvin Ham's going to be around longer. So if there's a battle of wills, Darvin's going to win. But also, too, if Russ does not sh- start showing signs of being more malleable, being more able to fit into a team concept, you know, somewhere between superstar and pure role player, both in in being acquiescent to this, but also actually showing the skills for it. I don't know if it's a given he's in the league beyond this year. I agree. Because he's he's such a massive presence and he plays in such a specific way for the time being that I've said before is the le- he's the least blendable player probably in the entire NBA. You start thinking like what team needs him? Really good, you know, elite teams aren't going to mess up what they have and probably don't need guard play from him in the first place. Rebuilding teams, why would they put him on the court? So he if he does not adjust and look, maybe he goes the Allen Iverson route and says, this is the way I play. I'm not changing. I'm going to be me. And if it means I'm out of the league, so be it. But if he wants to extend his career, this is his last opportunity to really show that he can fit into a team concept as opposed to, you know, letting Russ be Russ. And that's your offense. Yeah, I guess it's the first time for everything. We'll see how it does go. Who's a who's a who's a breakout candidate on this team, Andy? Breakout candidate. Wow. Um, again, in, it's weird to say this, but I think the Lakers are really hoping it's Anthony Davis. I, I think it has like to be that, really. Like you know, reannouncing, I'm Anthony F and Davis. It's it's a re breakout. Yeah, like I'm a problem in this league. Yeah. Like, I think that in certain respects, he would be the breakthrough guy. Otherwise, the Lakers also, I think, really hope, like I said, it's Taylor Horton Tucker. I think Kendrick Nunn, though, could be primed for a y'all forgot about who I am. Like, you know, that I'm that I'm a legit scorer in this league. I'm somebody that you could put into a game for 20-ish minutes, get some good scoring, get a little bit of playmaking, you know, hopefully defensively neutral at the very least, you know, I mean, I, I saw you make the face, Josh. The truth <laughs> is there's, I mean, there's not a lot of true breakout candidate guys on this team, 
you know, they they really mo- other than Lonnie Walker, they didn't bring in a single guy on this team that they would look to score. What about Austin Reyes? He's a really tricky case because, like, how how do you define breakout with somebody that I think is projected to be a glue guy? And he might average eight points a game. Right. No, I mean, I, I guess maybe Austin Austin Reeves could maybe show that he's that he's better than just a bright spot in an absolutely disastrous season. Yeah. Like, you know, no, really, I'm a legitimate NBA player. And like, I'm somebody that, cause he's going to be entering free agency himself. I'm somebody that if you like Alex Caruso, you've mentioned him earlier in the show, you can put me on a team with good players and I'm not going to have numbers, but I'm going to help what's happening. Like I'm going to make what's happening better through my presence. So I guess that would be sort of breaking out in his own right, especially if the Lakers are actually good this year. Who do you think is a regression candidate? Not that these guys, regression. outside of maybe one player, had big numbers last year or, or great numbers anyway. Who do you think could... Uh, I was going to say, like, <laughs> regress from what? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, maybe by default, record. it's just LeBron because maybe he doesn't average 30 again. Like, but I don't know who else yeah. it could be. Um, I mean... THT already regressed last season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not totally sure. Ex- I'm not totally sure Lonnie Walker's fit on the team. Um, I was not wild about him as their taxpayer mid-level exception. I don't think he fit a pressing need on this team. Um, he's, you know, he's a he's a guy that can cook scoring, but he's not a particularly great playmaker. He's uh, at times a pretty train wreck defender. Um, and he's already part of a guard-heavy rotation. Um, he's somebody that I think they're obviously going to give an opportunity to because he was their uh, tax uh, taxpayer acquisition. But I, I, I'm not quite sure his fit in all this. So I suppose Walker could maybe be a candidate. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, like, I don't know where he fits either. He's not a great shooter. He's not a good passer. He's not a good defender. He needs a big opportunity, big usage to provide value, and he's just not going to get that. So I don't really see how it is. And this is now. This is a tough question, Andy, and it is predicated on a few things. Is is this team better than they were last season? Um, I mean, look, some of this is just are LeBron and AD healthy? Yeah, that's true. Because if those guys are not healthy, to be perfectly honest, all the questions about Russ. And the rotation behind the, the the big three and what Darvin Ham brings to the table doesn't matter. I mean, that's just noise. If those two aren't actually healthy, if they are healthy, I think they are better this year because this is a team that wants to run. They've got better guys to do it. I think if LeBron and AD are healthy, some of the fit issues with Russ become less magnified. Like they're going to be there, but LeBron and Anthony Davis healthy and playing at a high level papers over a lot of issues. Um, You know, and again, having Kendrick Nunn, even if you're, I know you're not a fan, but Kendrick Nunn being a live human. No, he's an improvement for sure. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, if THT is somewhere between what they predicted when they gave him a $30 million contract and last year, that's a big improvement. Uh, Their center rotation this year is light years ahead of, Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan. Like, Dwight and DeAndre were probably the worst true center rotation in the NBA. Oh, there's almost no doubt They, they were unplayable. Yeah, there's, so, there's no doubt. Yeah, I, I think this team is better, Josh. Better enough to be 
the to be the contender that they want to be, that the Lakers always project themselves being that, you know, you bring in LeBron and Anthony Davis, that's the whole point of it. They're not there yet, or at least I need to see it. And there are some pretty big question marks, but yeah, I think they're better. Who's the most likely player to be traded? Is it is it still Westbrook? Westbrook is a hard guy to trade. He's he the is. guy that they want to trade the most, but a $47 million contract is difficult to trade, period. Like, even if it's somebody with real trade value, like, it's difficult to get back that much salary in return. Like, it's complicated. So, um, Russ is the guy that they want to trade the most. I think maybe most likely is Taylor Horton Tucker because his salary... You know, $10 or $11 million is just low enough that a team could be interested enough, but just high enough that you can maybe toss it in with a Lonnie Walker or Kendrick Nunn to bring back, you know, a solid role player. Um, you know, for a rebuilding team, maybe they, they would take the chance on getting a look at THT. And if he opts into the last year of his deal, you know, if he's playing well enough, a, a $11 million, $10 or $11 million is not you know, an unreasonable deal. It's not, it's not going to suffocate your cap. Um, it's a tough question in all honesty, Josh, because they don't have a lot of really good trade assets. Otherwise they would have made more moves with the roster. That's, that's probably right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're working pretty damn hard to trade people and it hasn't happened. That's uh that's, that's pretty accurate. All right. We're going to finish this off Andy with some quiz questions. Um, this is using the grades from Basketball Index, where we're looking at the best three-point shooting talent, which is not just three-point percentage. It's volume. It's self-created, having more importance versus catch and shoot. We're looking at playmaking, which is not just assists, but it's the location of those assists and getting guys into open positions and the volume and versatility of passing. And finishing is about driving to the rim, not just offensive rebound putbacks and finishing through contact and drawing fouls. So who do you think, watching this team so intently, graded out as the best three-point shooting talent on this team last season? It's not Anthony Davis. I'll give you. I'll give you a hint with that. Okay, just to clarify, are we counting guys that played on other teams last year, or just holdover Lakers players who ended the season on the Lakers? Best three-point shooting talent, Malik Monk. Sorry, let me rephrase. Players that ended the season on the Lakers who are still on the Lakers. LeBron. It was LeBron James. Yes, it was LeBron James. What about playmaking? It's got to be LeBron. It is definitely LeBron. What about finishing? I'm sensing a theme, Josh. LeBron? <laughs> it, it was unbelievably. The best player in this team was actually LeBron James. What a shock that is. Um, and let's finish with one more question about LeBron. LeBron averaged 29.3 points per 36 minutes last season. All right, we said he averaged 30 points a game, but he played 37 minutes. So 29.3 points per game per 36 minutes. How many times in his career has he equaled or exceeded that scoring rate? Four. Zero. Wow. That was his best scoring season per 36 minutes. He had wow. some seasons where he scored more than that, but he played like 40 minutes a night. Yeah, I was pretty shocked to see that. That was his best per 36 scoring season ever, which was uh, damning and shocking and impressive all in the same in the same yeah. sentence. It's it's one of those, congrats, LeBron. Yeah. yeah. Hope, you, really hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the year. Uh, the way you wanted it to happen. Yeah, well, yeah, here he is. He's getting closer to Kareem. Uh, with that, Andy, that'll do it for us talking about the Lakers today. Um, there's still stuff that could happen with this team, of course. And we'll, uh, you'll cover it. We'll cover it here when that does happen. Uh, what's happening at Locked on Lakers at the moment? 
Um, you know, we we're looking to get some good guests lined up. Oh, oh, this is actually super important. Um, Brian and I, with our sponsor, Dewar, uh, D-U-E-R, um, the most truly the most comfortable pants and most comfortable clothing you will ever wear. Uh, we are doing a, a live recording at the Dewar store in Los Angeles, 170 South La Brea, 11 a.m. Pacific time. If you can be there, what day? Um, please drop by. You can give us questions because it's an all mailbag one. But if you can't, hit us up on Twitter at Cam Brothers, K A M Brothers, um, with the hashtag Doer Show, D U E R Show. Give us some mailbag questions. If they're good enough for us just to be considered, you will automatically be in a drawing for, uh, to win pri- to win a big prize at the end. And you don't have to be at the store to win it. You can actually, because we've done a couple drawings, Josh, this is important, uh, you can win from overseas. Uh, our first winner is in England. Oh, um, so there you, there you have it. When, when are you doing that show? Uh, August 27th, 11 a.m. Oh, there Pacific you go. Time. Well, this, this show will be out before then. So people, if you are Excellent. in that Los Angeles area, you can get down there to the Dua store, who I've never heard of, but I'm going to check their it's, stuff out now. And maybe... It's, oh my God, dude. I'm wearing the shorts right now. Maybe they, they can sponsor so, me as well. Yeah. Oh, it, Hit them up, oh, hit them up, yeah. or, you know. I, I enjoy you comfortable clothes. You don't have clothes. to be in LA to buy their stuff. There you go. I'm checking them out right now. You guys should check them out as well. As check on Andy and Brian over at Locked On Lakers. Andy, thanks for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball with me. Anytime, man. It's fun seeing you. And that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, you know what to do. You need to thumb it up and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.